0: International presents To Every Man and Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for
1: the hope that lies within you.
2: If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith,
3: you can call us at 1 888 827 5276. Again, that's 1 8888 Ask CSN.
1: Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike
4: Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Friday's edition of To Every Man an Answer. Glad you've joined us. Looking forward to being with you as we always are. Every weekday afternoon at this time, we set this aside, live radio, where you can call in, ask a question. Perhaps you've been reading your Bible, come across something you don't understand, sharing your face, somebody's asked you a question. We want to be able to give you a good biblical answer for that particular topic. You know, so often, so many of the cults take a piece of a verse or a couple of verses and build a whole theology upon it, disregarding the other verses in the Bible that would bring correction and clarity to that verse. And so that's what we like to do here with with this program is to give you good biblical answers concerning the way we all are to live, we look at all of our things going on in the world right now. We know that Jesus spoke of this time, I believe, right before the tribulation comes, the rapture of the church. And I also believe that, again, um, teachers are going to wax worse and worse, teaching stuff that's not in the Bible. So if you've got a question you'd like to ask us, that phone number to call again, 8888-ASK-CSN is the number to call you can be part of the program today. Joining me today, Pastor John Randall from Orange County, South, uh, and such a blessing to have you with us. Uh, John, as you continue to uh, move around, you just got a new facility there in South Orange County down by San Clemente. And um, anyway, welcome to the program.
5: Thank you, Mike. Great to be back with you today and our listeners looking forward to the program.
4: Yes, and you're also here at 7 o'clock on Sunday morning. is Mountain Time. And uh, so we look forward to hearing that as well. And always a blessing to have you with us. That number to call again, 8888 Ask csn And we'll do our very best to get to your call. Actually, we have some lines open, so you uh, have no waiting today. So from yesterday, I believe this is, we're going to go to the phones. We have Wilma on the line. Cottonwood, Arizona. I Welcome.
1: Hi. Thanks for having me. Um, I I have I was um, a single parent with three three girls, and uh, forty years ago I moved to Sedona uh, from California and uh, sent my children to school and they only have three schools that are where that's all. And this I was always with my kids all the time and cared about what they were doing. And my one daughter was having trouble one night. She was in the seventh grade, I think. And I said, what's your problem? And she says, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, what is your, you know, the whole thing? And she said, well, I'm reading this sign about a girl that had a sad life. And she said, I have to write a suicide note.
4: (laughs) Oh no. Yeah, it's awful. And so, Wilma, uh, how did you respond?
1: Oh, I prayed and asked the Lord. Oh, I took her out of school. All three of them. That's it. I'm done. You're not doing this. No. And uh, because we, you know, we love the Lord. And so I took them out, and I prayed about it. And the Lord opened a door that, because I had to work four nights a week, waiting tables, and then the rest of the week— Minus Sunday, I would wait. I would clean houses, so I couldn't. I just couldn't be there with my kids as much as I'd like. And so I prayed about it, and the Lord directed me to a. It was called Christian Liberty Academy out of Illinois, and I had to pay for them. They got the books, they got everything. They even got a, a, a Guffey's. Um, McGuffey's Reader yeah that was it and Christian everything it was in, excellent my thing is I, I want to talk to people out there that are single parents or their or husband and wife that aren't making it pray about it ask the Lord go to him because he wants he wants to hear from you he wants to help you he wants to show you so he can increase your faith and he will guide you and direct you. There's so much going on right now with bomb schooling.
4: And- yeah, there is a lot going on. And uh, Wilma, we might have lost you right there for a second. Are you still there?
1: Yes, I am. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
4: No, we we realize that the the, you know, we had a caller. Um, I mentioned this yesterday because it was it was one of those calls that really stood out. And he said, you know, a lot, all these politicians are running for office. They're all promising things are going to be better. Uh, how do you know? What do you know? And I said, well, I said, the word key word there is the word better, better for a devil's world or better, better for God's world. And unfortunately, we realize that the school system in America has been hijacked by the liberals. I believe when the Krita Kred- Khrushchev in 1957 says, we will bury you. I believe he knew that he they had instituted in our schools and in our seminaries uh in of course the newspapers um uh that to brainwash America and we're seeing that right now, I believe in a way that we've not seen before uh what is right is wrong, what is wrong is right uh facts don't matter anymore it's how do you feel about it, and all this crazy stuff so when we go back to really a true education. Uh, you know, I hate to say it, but reading, writing and arithmetic. Um, this almost is foreign in our schools today because again, as you mentioned earlier, they want you to write notes on, well, if you were going to kill yourself, what would your letter say? This kind of crazy stuff. I was at the county fair, uh, with a lady a couple years ago. I, I, our family was there and I came across the lady from our church and I said, why is your daughter in the trash can? Did she lose a retainer or throw it away? No, no, she's doing this for schoolwork to find out what people throw away. You know here in China and in Japan and around the world, they're studying microprocessors and and latest greatest technology and we have our kids digging through trash cans. You wonder what's wrong with America? The dumbing down of America, I've got to tell everybody has been a tremendous success. You see, before we were taught how to think, logical conclusions, rational thinking, how to think. But the dumbing down of America changed all that to what to think. And so this is why you find uh, the crazy stuff that's being taught in schools, because you're not taught how to think, it's what to think. And we will tell you, and again, part of the nanny state, this is where they're headed. Your thoughts, John?
5: Well, I'll tell you, living here in California, the uh, education system has been under attack for some time, and it's only leveled up here in the last couple of years. And there is curriculum that is being put out and put forth in the school system now, seeking to indoctrinate children, to groom children. And they're really trying to reach this generation and reshape their thinking, as you mentioned. And so it is a blessing to have the option to be able to pull them out of that if you can and homeschool them. And we see there's a lot of families that do that and they don't just do it on their own. There's cooperative opportunities that you can gather and maybe one person can teach this class, but, but to have the option is a blessing. And so in the light, in light of the days in which we're living, it's really important that our kids know the truth.
4: It is. And uh Wilma, you know, we couldn't agree with you more. And I want to say a couple of things. One, you're a very loving, dedicated mother, to work nights and tables, clean houses, mm-hmm. to assure that your children can have a good life, and uh, to be private schooled, and that that is a real demonstration, I believe, of love, woman, and, and um, our heart goes out to you. Does that answer your question?
1: Can Can I say one more thing? Sure. Okay. What's most important to all the parents out there? Is your children want to follow you, you need to be the example. You need to walk with the Lord. You need to, You need whatever you're doing, they're going to follow you. I'm not saying throw the Lord down their throat, make sure they're all saved, but have fun with your kids. Love your kids. Be with them. All my kids, I have four children. They're all serving the Lord. I have grandkids. I have great grand. They're all serving the Lord. Mm-hmm. And... You have to be the example. They want to be like you. And to me, it's so important.
4: Yeah. So I'm- and, and and you know, Wilma, something that goes along with that is to be that good example. That's right. You know, a lot of people say, well, I didn't have a dad or I didn't have a mom and I don't know really how to be. Well, if you didn't have a dad, you can look to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we remember that Jesus, when he taught the disciples to pray, he said, our Father, which art in heaven. We have a daddy in heaven that loves us, that wants to help us model your lifestyle, the way you take care of your kids after them. Concerning mothers, we have a lot of great chapters in the Bible about that. And of course, Proverbs chapter 31 outlines what a good woman is. Not necessarily in today's standard of how Gucci they are or how much of a 10 they are, but rather What makes them up as an individual? What's their kindness reaching out to people? And uh, again, going back to Proverbs 31, you find a real good outline of what a good wife, what a good woman really is. And today we find such a change. Everything is based on the flesh, on the external. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to stay with her for more than a year anyway. This is the whole attitude that we find. And a country's longevity Rest upon the family unit. And when that has been deteriorated and disintegrated, which I believe by, not by chance, but by, but by, uh, demonic forces, the attack on the family in America to destroy the inner structure of our country so that we're an easy takeover. Nothing to kill for, nothing to die for. It's just how you look at it. You see, this is what's happened today in our society, and we have really very, very uh shattered understandings of what the American family originally was based on the Bible. John, any last thoughts? I just I
5: agree with you, Mike. I, I think you made some great points, and I, I also think uh, what a blessing it is and how important it is not to just tell our kids what to do. But to model for them what to do. And that makes all the difference because they're smart enough to know, um, that it's more than just what you say. It's how you live. We don't want to be hypocritical. We want to walk in sincerity and walk in truth before our kids.
4: Yes. You'll saying, you know, I try to teach my, uh, children good table manners, but they still eat like me. So <laughs> anyway, Wilma well, stay online here. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs. I think you'll really enjoy. And yes. Um, my kids are homeschooled. So yes, I do believe that's such an important part right now in our um raising our children up the way they should go and not be influenced as little as possible by a fallen world. Mm-hmm. Wilma, thank you so much for the call. Thank you. God bless you, dear. Stay online. We'll get you taken care of. With that, we will go to Sean in Oregon. Hi, welcome.
6: Hi, Mike, John, thank you for everything that you do. And and uh my question is um when God was walking with uh Adam in the garden, was it just one entity or was it the Trinity? Was he walking with three other people?
4: Well, we find through the Bible Christophanes, and I believe this is a pre existent Christ that we find, whether you look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Nebuchadnezzar said, there's a fourth like unto the Son of Man there as well. I put three in the furnace, but there's four in there. We find Joshua uh, as well. We find even Abraham saying, Abraham, Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, saw it, and was glad. The Pharisees knew exactly what Jesus was saying because he said, you're not yet 50 years old, and you've seen Abraham. This is like in John 8, 52, 53, um, up to 58. He said, before Abraham was, I am. So I believe it is very possible that Jesus in, in that pre, um, birth situation there in Bethlehem may very well be the one that he spoke to. What we do know is when man sinned, that broke that fellowship with God. Your thoughts? You know, I
5: was thinking about just opening up the book of Genesis, and it opens up with God creating man and God creating the universe, and the word Elohim is used there. It says the Spirit was hovering over the waters, and the Bible makes it clear. And this is the mystery, Mike. I think sometimes we come up to yeah. how do you explain the Trinity? How do you explain the three being one? And I look at that passage, and I'm, I, I it is a mystery to me. And I, I think— um, I can't wait for the day when the mysteries become clear and I get to see exactly what Adam and Eve saw and, and what it's going to be like to see the Lord in the fullness of his glory and to walk with him unashamed, to walk with him in a way that, that you know him even better than you're known. And to, to, some of this is a mystery, the Trinity three in one. I, I'm not exactly sure, um, but I do know that God was walking with him in the cool of the day in, in the fullness of who he is and what fellowship that must have been.
4: So, uh, again, Sean, those are, there's a lot of questions like that that we're going to have to wait till we get to heaven. I've got some of my own, like (laughs) where was Daniel when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was put in the fiery furnace? Where was he? (laughs) Or is he a picture type of the church that was caught away while the children of Israel came under persecution? Just some things that make you go, hmm, but there's a lot of things like that. The Hebrews have a saying that when Messiah comes, even the space between the letters will mean something. Mm. So I think we're going to have to wait to see till we get there.
6: Hope that helps, Sean. That does very much. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, John. I, I appreciate everything that you guys do.
4: God is good. Thanks for calling back from yesterday uh, because I know you didn't get on. I saw your your call there. One uh, One last thought. There's an old saying that when the Bible is silent on a topic— it is wise to be silent on the topic um, because I don't want to give people the wrong idea. Uh, I know a lot of times people will teach their feelings rather than God's Word. And I want to say sometimes it does make logical sense, but that's not necessarily God's Word because we find all the way through the Bible— Jesus, with the miracles, violated logic. I mean, he walked on the water, he multiplied the loaves and fishes. So I want to be careful what I think is too hard for God, or that seems unreasonable when God is a God of miracles all along. Sean, stay online. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs I think you'll really enjoy. Great for evangelism. Let's go to Deborah, Des Moines, Iowa. Hi.
0: Hi, John and Mike. How are you?
4: Good. How may we help?
0: Excellent. Um, My question is, and there's varying views on right or wrong, even among Christians, is being cremated okay?
4: Cremation was not part of the way the Hebrews disposed of a body. That has been integrated into our society through Hinduism, the reason why the Jews did not burn up a, a body. Now, there's, there is an instance in the Bible, Saul, King Saul, the first king of Israel, was so badly decomposed that they burned his body, but probably for m- m- many other reasons. Um, but it was because the Bible says we were created in God's image. And so to show respect for that shell, even though it is dead out of respect, They did not burn the body. They just let it decompose of its own natural self. Now, we go to heaven because Jesus Christ died on the cross, not because we're cremated or we're not cremated, um, whether we're alive or dead. We go to heaven because Jesus Christ is our Savior. Fire does what really uh, time does only in a matter of seconds. Um, Now, Here's the deal, though. I had a friend that ran a cemetery in Twin Falls. And he told me, he said, interesting, Mike. He says, you know, I've been doing this for all my life. And he said, it's interesting that the families where there is an actual grave, a grave marker, their children and their relatives often tie, deal with death better than those who have been cremated as an example, and their ashes sprinkled off a lovely mountaintop or something. Because the thing is, is that there's an actual place where this person is buried. We also know that uh, there's a begin date, the birth date. There is the little line and then the death date. That little line was that person's life. Now, when we look at it, standing above, looking down on a gravestone— That little line doesn't seem like much, but that was the person's entire existence here on this earth. Everybody living today is determining what position they're going to hold in eternity forever. That's why I believe every day is so important, so critical. So when we look at this, is is uh, cremation bad? Well, let me put it this way. It's not bad, but I think there's better choices, personally. But I also know what the cost of funerals right now and uh, cemetery plots and all that. I think this is why a lot of people choose cremation. But I don't believe it is a sin to be cremated. I believe it's how our families, our children react to that person dying. And you go, oh, grandma's buried in that in that cemetery over there. You know, yeah, her shell is. She's with the Lord. But, well, she never really existed. Her ashes were sprinkled and it's like she never was here. That I always have a little bit of trouble with. John, your thoughts? Well, you know, there isn't a
5: specific scriptural command against cremations. Some believers, uh, object to the practice of cremation, uh, based, basically because, um, it doesn't recognize that one day God's going to resurrect our bodies. Somehow he's not going to be able to resurrect our bodies because they've been, you know, they've been cremated. But listen, God's not going to have any problem. Uh, doing that. He is God. But I also want to say this. And I tell you, one of the most difficult decisions I think that we ever had to make was to honor my father's wishes when he said he wanted to be cremated. And at that time, my dad was a missionary. So he was on the mission field. He was in Brazil. He was in Africa. He was in Guatemala serving the Lord in all these different places and didn't have a lot in this world, uh, to speak of. He has a lot now, but he didn't have a lot then. And so we did not. Uh, have an actual burial site for him. And I, I see Mike's point on that. I think it is good to have a place to grieve, but he asked that when he passed to go home to be with the Lord, Um as my mom didn't have a lot of money, can you, can you cremate me? And boy, I'd you, that was a tough decision for me and I wrestled with it. Um And I, and I, I think the most difficult thing was, okay, that's not who he is anymore. He, he is with the Lord to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And, I think if you do, having been on this side of it, if you do have the opportunity to have a burial site, I think it's a blessing. But if you don't, as Pastor Mike said, it's not a sin, and God understands your situation, and He loves you. And He's going to, from dust to dust, we go, but then we're going to have a brand new body made for glory.
4: Amen. Deborah. I wish we could be more definitive, but the Bible uh, doesn't go into great depths on that. Um, but again, it was not a practice by the early church, nor was it a practice by, by those practicing Judaism. This is a practice that came from, uh, from Hinduism. Uh, but again, it does not say it's a sin. And I'm sure God has the DNA blueprint of every single person mm-hmm. he's ever placed on this earth to resurrect them on that glorious day. So hope that helps, dear.
0: Thank you. I, it does help a little. Uh, the fact that you know Jews were not cremated kind of speaks volumes to me that I hadn't really thought about. So yeah. I might need to rethink my final uh what I'm going to do, but I really appreciate you taking time to answer my question.
4: Well, there is one other option. Paul talks about it in a moment, twinkling of an eye will be caught transformed and caught caught up to be with him in the air. That's my mm. that's what I'm betting on. I'm looking for the upper taker. So, uh, anyway. <laughs> but, uh, no, Deborah, I understand your question completely. It is an, it is an issue. And I think every person has to, uh, come to that conclusion, uh, what is, what is best. And certainly, John, I can understand why maybe your father, uh, requested to be cremated, especially if he was in Brazil or some foreign country. Uh, getting the body back here would be extremely cost, um, heavy for your mother and your family. Uh, so I can understand that, especially people who are on the foreign field. But again, Deborah, every person, um, you know, the Bible says work out your own salvation. It's not talking about, well, I'm going to pick Buddha instead of Jesus for my savior. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about how, how did you come to the conclusions of the lifestyle you live from reading God's Word, and how does that apply to your life? And I hope that helps, dear. I agree. Thank you very much. God bless. Deborah Sam said you have some books, some DVDs. Again, I think you'll enjoy it. Let's go to Carrie Glendive, Montana. Hi, welcome.
0: Hi, brothers. Um, thank you for taking my call. My comment is basically a question to the Social Security Administration now is Supposedly, going to um, take uh, requests for trans. You can choose the Social Security Administration, whether you're male or female. And I thought you guys might get a kick out of this and bring a little laughter to our life here. First of all, praise God, I'm glad we won the House. Praise the Lord. But I contacted my senator and I left him a voicemail and I told him uh, I was, had questions about the Social Security Administration. Uh, administration going trans, uh, so I asked him if I am going to be sixty five in reality, I'm not trans. I'm going to be sixty five years old on Christmas Day this year. And I asked him if it was considered fraud if I were to call the Social Security Administration, which I have to to get some information. And if I asked the Social Security administration, if i uh, if I told him I was trans and I was a gentleman, a man turning um, 88 or 65, which way would I get paid the most money? He laughed his head off. Uh, what do you guys think? Is it fraud?
4: <laughs> well, I, I, I wouldn't do that. I, I think, you know, whatever things are pure, whatever things are holy, whatever things are, those are the things we need to dwell upon. Um, it shouldn't make any difference. If it does, that is discrimination against all heterosexual people. And so that would be probably a fairly good lawsuit against the federal government to show partiality to a transgender or, for that matter, really anybody else. And so I think we have a real serious issue there if there's additional benefits. Your thoughts, John?
5: I I've never honestly really thought about that. Um, that's not been, I mean, it's amazing to me. You're my, too young. That's yeah, why, I mean, but, but amazing to me to think about some of the things that we're even talking about nowadays versus 10 years ago, five years ago, two years ago, how quickly, and this is what it tells me, darkness is encroaching. And Jesus is coming soon. I don't know, Mike, how much longer things are going to go on the way that they are. But, man, we need to be getting ready for Jesus. He's got to be coming soon in light of all these things that are going on.
4: Yeah, Kerry, we can't do much more with it than that, uh, since neither has studied up on it. But I always choose the honesty is the best way. Stay in line. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs. We're coming up on a break, everyone. Don't go away. We'll be back for more right after if this. If
3: you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on health care costs is frustrating. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare 65+. plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills, and it really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. Well, MediShare 65 Plus is a low cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. And it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access from the comfort of your home. Very worth looking into during Medicare Open Enrollment, which ends December 7th. If you join right now, your second month share will be free. So don't miss this chance. Call 833-90-SHARE. That's 833-90-SHARE. 833 833-90- 90 Share.
7: All of us at CSN want to say thank you for your prayers and financial support in 2022. Because of your generosity, we are able to spread the good word around the world. The gift of hope and salvation through biblical teaching is being broadcasted 24 hours a day on 443 radio stations nationwide. And worldwide, through online streaming and via the CSN app, you make this possible. As the year comes to an end, would you consider making a special year-end donation? As a 501 c your gift will be a year-end write-off if given before midnight on December thirty-first. To help further the work of CSN, please go to csnradio.com support or call one 800 357 4226, that's one 800
4: Well, and welcome you back to part two of Terry Men Answer on this Friday afternoon with John Randall. I'm your host, Mike Kessler. We're going to go right back to the phones. We have Will on the line in Silverdale, Washington. Hi, and welcome.
8: How are you doing, gentlemen? Thank you for having me on your show, and God bless.
4: Well, so blessings to my you.
6: Question,
8: my question to you is actually more of an opinion or a thought from you guys. The Bible often talks about, um, and I'm rediscovering my Bible, so please excuse me if I don't have exact references and quotes. Um, but the Bible talks often about um, you know your works uh, be you know your works should clearly define you as a Christian, and by your works people should identify you as a christian and sometimes the way you can read it, you know it talks about works, at least sometimes the way I read it as being these grand um, gestures or or you know things you can do for people and I always thought that works or at least i I think that works could also be, you know, just awesome little things, you know, making sure you're getting up and providing for your family and putting food on the table and and things along those lines, helping your neighbor out when you can. I mean, what are your gentleman's, um, what are your pastor's opinion on that?
4: Yeah, I think all of it. I think all of it's true. The Bible says even a cup of cold water in his name bears a reward. Now, that may seem very menial to many people, but God sees it, sees it all, and says that'll carry a reward when done for the right reason. Your thoughts, John?
5: I agree with that, Mike. I was thinking of the words of Jesus there in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter five and verse sixteen when he exhorted his disciples that when you do your good works, meaning and it's implied that we would that we do them in such a way to glorify our Father who is in heaven, and that presents so many opportunities for us will to be able to glorify the Lord and in in all that we do. The Bible says in everything that you do, no matter what it is, do it all for the glory of God, and the Lord takes note of those things that we do when they're done for his glory. So, uh and our faith is demonstrated by our works. That's how we're able to see it. It's a practical demonstration. I don't do works, by the way, to be saved. I am saved. And works is a byproduct of my relationship
4: with Jesus Christ. Amen. So, Will, I hope that helps. It does. It does mentally. Thank you. Well, God bless you. Stay in line. We'll get you taken care of with a couple of books, a couple of DVDs. Great for evangelism. And let's go to Kim, Texarkana, Arkansas. Hi, welcome.
9: Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, Mike, I listen to you guys every day, and I know a lot of people are confused about the Trinity, and it's it's really hard to understand. So, I think of it in, I guess, in, it may be oversimplified. But, the way I think about it is like you're Mike Kessler is you have two sons, one Matthew, one David. they are still Kessler, the same as you are Kessler, but they are also individuals in and of themselves. And so for me, I know in my mind, just trying to make sense of it, it, like I said, it's probably oversimplified, but to me, that helps me try to understand it a little bit better. My mind can comprehend that. So I don't know if maybe that would help or hurt anybody, but for me, Mm. that just helps to make sense.
4: Well, you know, Kim, I believe to figure out God in his infinite wisdom and power with our little finite minds that we have to figure out an infinite God, a God that transcends beyond time, goes beyond the stars, created everything. I don't think we actually have the capability to truly understand, uh, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, how they're all separate entities but yet they're all the same entity. We find in the book of Romans, as an example, the Bible says the Father raised Jesus from the dead. And in the same verse, it says the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. But then if you go to John, Jesus himself said he would raise himself from the dead. Now to say, well, there is no heavenly Father, there is no Holy Spirit, it's just Jesus only, is heretical as well. Because we find in 1 John 2.22, there this beloved disciple writes and he says, he that denies the father and the son hath the spirit of antichrist. So it's a pretty serious indictment. I don't know how you can look at an egg and you have the shell, you have the white part, you have the yolk. It's all egg. There is not one part of that that's less of an egg than the other. Yet they all have their responsibilities. They all have their identifiable roles. The, sh- the shell, the white part, and the yolk. Now you can get rid of the shell and you might have an omelet, but you don't have an egg anymore. And you can't say that the yellow part is any less valuable than the shell is. They're all important to have an egg. So there you have an illustration. You have three individual pieces that are all egg, but I don't even think that really explains it. I've heard it explained as a tree well, you have the the leaves and you have the uh the trunk and you have the roots. It's all tree, but they all have their individual thing. I understand that, and I think simplistically, yeah, you might say that, but to really understand the triunity of God, friends, that goes I really believe beyond our human ability to understand an infinite God. Your thoughts?
5: Uh, Mike, there's a lot of illustrations that people bring up. I think another one would be uh, water. You have liquid, you have vapor, and you have ice. And this is a way to uh, somehow help us to understand the Trinity. But Mike, I realized something about the Lord. In fact, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, that right now, this side of heaven, we see through a glass darkly or dimly, but one day we're going to see him face to face. And then we're going to know right now we know in part, but then we're going to know him even as we're known. There are things like we've said earlier on the program that we don't fully understand. I don't fully understand God's grace. I don't fully understand his love for me. I don't fully understand all the depths of redemption, but what I do understand, I praise God for. And with childlike faith, I believe what the Bible says that these three are one, and I accept it, I believe it, even though I don't fully understand it. And I'm looking forward to uh, seeing him face-to-face and realizing, oh, that's what that means. Now I know.
4: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think the second we walk into heaven, we're going to know a whole lot more than we know now, Kim. So I hope that answers it for you.
9: Yes, sir. Thank you very much, and happy Thanksgiving to you all.
4: Well, happy Thanksgiving to you, and stay on the line, and I'll send you out some books, some DVDs, okay? Thank you. Thank you, Kim. God bless you. Let's go to Bob, Palm Springs. Hi, welcome.
8: Hi there. How are you? I'm going to make it very brief. Okay. Who do you think has a better chance of winning the presidential election?
4: I, I think probably honestly, DeSantis probably would be to me, uh, the, the probably the four, the, probably the best choice. The problem is the American news media hates Donald Trump. He's everything that they aren't. And, he, and, and, uh, they, uh, the American news media is in the tank with the one world order. You see how they cover up facts. They won't tell people the truth. All this different. Instead of them focusing before the election on Hunter Biden's laptop, which indicts Joe Biden, big time, big time, money from China, they wouldn't talk about it. Who made that decision? And why didn't the American news media pick up on that and ask them questions? Why are you covering up this tremendous, tremendous story? Well, it's because the American news media is rotten, completely rotten. If their lips are moving, they're lying. That's just the bottom line. They hate Donald Trump. I gotta say, that's probably the best thing Donald Trump's got going for him. But the negative, the negative that has come out so much against him, I believe that it has affected even very well meaning people because again, you tell a lie long enough, often enough, People begin to believe it. Adolf Hitler said, if you're going to tell a lie, tell a big one. Well, they've been telling big ones for a long time. Oh, by the way, remember I told everybody the elections in California are rigged? (laughs) Well, yesterday they found a whole sack of mail uh, uh, by San Jose in a ravine full of ballots, that's right, from the United States Post Office, put in there, and then thrown away so people wouldn't find it. But a hiker happened to find him and brought him to light. How many more of these is out there? No, one ballot, one vote, one ID, and you will watch the complexion politically of the United States change overnight. Yep, won't be able to cheat anymore, but uh, that's what we've been getting in magnitude proportion. We proved it here at CSN. People in California with nine ballots in their mailbox, mail-in ballots, that's corruption, friends. That makes a corrupt California election, not to mention all the other states as well. They're doing the same kind of stuff. I guess they all go to how to cheat an election school somewhere because evidently it works. But we proved it here, and now they just found this big story last night about the bag of ballots in a United States postal bag that were thrown out by San Jose in a ravine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and when you stop to think most ball- most politicians now only win by a few votes, that way they know exactly how many to manufacture before they declare the winner. Uh When you got a bag of ballots, um, how many more are out there like that that would change an election? Things that make you go home. John, your thoughts?
5: Well, it's true, Mike. The system is definitely broken. And I just want to say to all those and fellow Californians like you, Bob, who, uh, and I'm with you, uh, who have been on the receiving end of some of these things and what has happened in our state uh, politically, I want to remind believers uh, listening to us, make sure that you show up to vote. There is a small percentage comparatively of believers who are supposed to be good citizens that show up at the polls and show up to vote. If we're really concerned, about making a difference. The Bible says to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. If we have the opportunity to do something right, then God's going to hold us accountable for doing what's right. I also would like to say to those that have been discouraged, um, listen, keep looking up. Our answer is not in the White House. It's definitely not in Sacramento. No. Our, our answer is in God's house. So we keep trusting. We do what we can as good citizens. We stand for what's right. And um we keep looking for that kingdom that's going to come. Can't wait to be a part of that one. It never ends.
4: <laughs> Amen. Being about daddy's business, so important in these days. Bob, hope that helps. Yeah, the
8: only thing I would add is a prayer that uh, all the people that are for Donald Trump, if he doesn't end up being the the candidate, I pray in Jesus' name, those people will use common sense, and particularly Donald Trump. I pray if that happens, that he won't start causing trouble and just back the candidate. Yeah, this is,
4: yeah, this is a problem, by the way, Bob. It's really real that in Alaska, they split the Republican ticket and a Democrat got in. There were more votes voting for both Republicans than there was for the Democrat, but because they split the ticket, uh, the Democrat won. And again, these are things that we have to be very, very careful of. I'm not saying that sometimes these independents that run are probably not a better candidate. But the thing is, you got to remember that by splitting the vote, you can do a lot of really bad things. And I think Alaska is one of those examples where for the Senate, uh, took, took a hard hit on that one. So Bob, stay online. Send you out some books, some DVDs. Thanks so much for the call. And again, keep looking up. Our redemption draws nigh. Bob, Rogers, Ar- Rogers Alaska. Hi, welcome.
6: Hey, hey, brother, Mike. It's uh, Rogers, Arkansas, but it doesn't matter.
4: Arkansas, okay. <laughs> yeah. They they had AK there, and that's Alaska. Oh, so AR, yeah. okay. okay.
6: <laughs> hey, um, I just, real quick on the cremation issue, um, you know, I remember Pastor Chuck was my pastor for years. Matter of fact, the last time I talked, he was with Chuck probably 25 or more years ago, but he, I need to call you more but anyway um with the cremation thing my my father wanted to be cremated and so you know we of course did his wishes and in the cemeteries you know they have these little niches and places and you can even do it in the ground you can put the acid so you, you still have the plaque there with the you know the date and a place for the family to go visit so that is a that is another alternative um uh to that to where you know i, I can understand like if you are scattered at out at sea or something you know uh there wouldn't be a place but but yeah that is an option you know they, it looks just like a burial plot uh i mean and unless it's up in the wall then they've you know they've got, they've got these like i don't know 12 inch by 12 inch box shape um, niches and a little place to put flowers and stuff so that that is an option to that lady that called in earlier
4: yeah no no that that is true and i mentioned that that sometimes they are scattered on mountaintops but uh, still, it is not a prescribed way in the Bible for burial. That's, that's the bottom line that I was simply trying to make a point of, but it is not a sin. And that's the other point that we need to be careful. We go to heaven because Jesus died on the cross, not because we're uh, cremated or buried. Hope that, uh, hope that's clear. Uh, John, any last thoughts?
5: I agree with you, Mike. That's, that was the right answer. And, uh, it's good to have options, you know, praise
4: the Lord. Amen. Hope that helps, Bob. Stay in line. We'll send you out some books and DVDs, okay? All right, Mike. Thank you. God bless you. Thanks so much for the call. Let's go to Bob Roswell, New Mexico. Hi and welcome.
2: Hi, Pastors. Thank you for taking my call. Um I uh I just want to say this that I love Jesus and I hate my sin. Hmm. Um I uh I um have been uh the Lord has put two um messianic Jews in my life that uh um, having a wonderful relationship with them and i was speaking to her today and she said while she was uh reading a word that she um was reading isaiah 42 1 through 7 and she said that um i came the lord put me on her heart so i went ahead and read and um Forty two one says, Behold, my servant, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth, I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. Verse 2 says, He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. The Lord Jesus took me, 40 years ago, a wretched, murderer, drunk, drug abuser, uh, sinner, and clean me up from the inside out. He has blessed me with serving my community through um, two homeless um, ministries, and I also evangelize on the streets. And this, um, this uh, second verse um, is a little confusing to me, that the Lord's servant shall not cry nor lift up, or cause his voice to be heard in the street. Could you please bring a little more clarity of that scripture to me?
4: Okay. Your thoughts, John?
5: Well, the book of Isaiah, we know contains, um, it's an amazing, amazing book of prophecy um, that, that is filled with, and this particular uh, one is, is one of the servant songs that describes, as it says here, the servant of the Lord. Uh, and this one in chapter 42 The servant of the Lord speaks of, just so we clarify, this one. It's speaking of Jesus. It's talking about Jesus prophetically. What a powerful... Uh, passages talking about the one in whom my soul delights. I put my spirit upon him. It reminds me of when Jesus came up out of the water. You remember as he was baptized there in the Jordan and the spirit of God came upon him in the form of a dove. And he began to well, really he start his earthly ministry right after that. Goes on to talk about his ministry in verse three, a bruised reed. He will not break a smoking flax. He will not quench. And he's going to bring forth justice for truth. Now in verse two, when it says he will not cry out nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. I personally Mike I'm not sure what your take is on that. Um uh, there's a couple of thoughts that come to mind about the ministry of Jesus. Um but I, I'm curious what you think about that.
4: Well, I I believe that again um the Bible says he would be like a sheep um right. brought before a slaughter and um when even when when Herod said things to Jesus as well as Pilate uh, Jesus did not get into a a, a, a you know a, a argumentative discourse with him right um he was led as a sheep um uh to a, to the slaughter I believe this is what it's talking about that doesn't mean that he didn't say anything uh but he wasn't crying out as he was walking up Golgotha to be crucified you bunch of rotten sinners you know you you deserve whatever he, he wasn't doing that um he was led as a sheep to slaughter and i believe that is what it's talking about because this is the reason jesus came was to be the paschal lamb to take away the sins of the world and so he didn't come as a glittering spokesman for judaism he didn't come as a as a person to set the world free from man's governments at that time he came to set man free in his heart that's why when jesus descended from the Mount of Olives, the first place he went was into the temple. Because he realized that Israel, until they got their spiritual problem fixed, it doesn't matter what government you're going to have, you're going to have problems. And that's the real problem that we find. The Bible says he cleared the money changers out, and then he taught the people. Why is that? Because, again, Jesus did not come at that time to deliver men from bad government. He came as their Savior to set them free. And I believe that is why he didn't. In fact, it's interesting when you look at the seven sayings of Jesus from the cross. They're not lengthy discourses. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. We, we remember, I thirst. All these little one, two-sentence things. Um, he said to the thief on the cross, Today you'll be with me in paradise. I, I look at that very, very much. He wasn't screaming out. He wasn't yelling out. He wasn't trying to cause a riot. Um, you know, the saying he could have called 10,000 angels. He could have, but he didn't. And so I believe this is why we find this messianic prophecy in the Old Testament. And by the way, verse three is one of my favorite scriptures because A smoking flax he will not quench, a bruised reed he will not break. In other words, if there's any fire at all, God will blow on it to get it to burst back into a flame again. A bruised reed, he doesn't just snip it off, it says he'll splint it so that it will grow straight again. That's God's heart, is to take something that would normally have been thrown away, even in the religious system, and God will rebuild that, and heal it and correct it. And that's what I believe verse three is so important because this was part of Jesus's ministry, not just concerning people's bodies, but their spirit who's, who's been horribly broken by the God of this world, Satan. And you look at all the, the wickedness that the devil has done to people and all the lies and people have bought into it, all promising uh, a purpose for living and, and joy and all these things delivers nothing. And so I believe that's really when you look back at it, if there's any fire at all in your heart, he'll blow it back into a flame again. If there's any, if you feel that you're a bruised reed and God can't use you, he'll splint it and make it grow straight again. And we find that exemplified with Jesus caught up with Peter on the Sea of Galilee. And he said after he denied him three times, Peter, do you love me? Are you, are are you, do you agape me? Do you agape me? And then finally he says, are you fond of me? The point is he didn't say, yeah, I know you. You denied me. I don't want to talk to you. Didn't do that at all. He did that breathing that uh, air on that smoking flax. He, he bruised up. He, he, he splinted up the bruised reed. Hope that helps.
2: That sure does help. Um, yeah, you've um, now I have no confusion, and uh, you've uh, uh, described it very, very well, and I understand it now. Well, good.
4: Uh, 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 I'm I'm really glad. Uh, And um, Bob, stay online. Send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs I think you'll really enjoy. And thanks so much for calling
2: in. Thank you so much.
4: God bless you. Let's go to Paula. San Luis Obispo. Hi and welcome.
9: Yes, hello. Good afternoon.
4: Yes. How may we help?
9: Hi there. Um, I'm just giving a call this afternoon because I had a question um, regarding a friend who has a very um, close relationship with Jesus, and it's um, so much that she says that he basically has input on everything that she does in life for de- decorating or what she's going to cook that night or et cetera, and um, she's kind of applied it to giving me advice now, like um if I wanted to go eat somewhere, you know, specific, she would say, oh, Jesus says that's not a good idea.
4: And oh,
6: I'm
4: yeah, just kind of curious. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, <laughs> it know. smacks, uh, Paula, it smacks of the shepherding doctrine uh, where you couldn't get married unless you asked your pastor. You couldn't buy a house or a car or anything like that. And you'll find that still spills over in these super spiritual people. God told me to tell you because you're so out of touch with reality, man. God's got to speak to me to get to you. Dangerous stuff. John, your thoughts?
5: Well, I was just thinking uh, one of the passages that came to mind was Romans chapter 8, verse 14, where the Apostle Paul says, For as many as are led by the Spirit... These are the sons of God. The Lord's going to lead you. You don't have to get, you know, fall into this trip or or get into this thing or have somebody put something over you that's super spiritual. God can lead you, and you know, sometimes when people say, "Well, I'm going to tell you what God's will is for your life," and I think I, I need to, I'm like, "Well, I, thank you," but I think God's able to reveal that to me, you know. And sometimes people get over hyper spiritual, and um, and I, I think they they step over the line a little bit, Mike. And so I think it's good uh, for Paula that you're aware of it. And that you can say lovingly, hey, listen, God's leading me. Thank you. Um, and you have his word and his spirit to guide and direct you as a child of God.
4: Yeah, there's only one mediator between God and man, and that's not your friend. It's Christ Jesus. So always remember, dial direct and save. Always does when you deal with the Lord. Don't have to go through a priest, a prophet, a king, a pope, anybody. You go to Jesus Christ directly. And so just be careful when people do that. Sometimes they mean it. Innocently, but sometimes they're trying to control you. Just be aware of it. Out of time. Stay in line. We'll get you fixed up. Thanks, John, for being on. Have a blessed, safe weekend. We'll see you back on Monday. Until then.
3: To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Everyman and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226.